0: A wise man once said, wise men talk because they have something to say. Fools, because they have to say something. Anyway, he's dead now. These are the recordings of Dr. Cornelius Pink. As part of my fitness regimen, I've decided to take up the sport of hockey. It's been many a mile since I've picked up a hockey stick. But I have done some skating in the past couple of years, so I wasn't coming at it from a dead start. There's a league of sorts, for men of my age in town. I signed up to give it a whirl. They assured me that the league is purely for fun, not competitive at all, and that many who play are on skates for the first time in their lives. Perfect! Except, they handed me a rule book that I had to swear to read before I played my first game. Perhaps you can hear me leaving through the pages as I speak. I'm not sure how sensitive this recording device is. I have to say, some of these rules are real head-scratchers. Here are just a small selection of the rules I must abide by in order to play. Each team shall only have six players on the ice at one time. If the puck screams, players are to ignore it at all costs. Fighting is strictly prohibited. Unless you hear a gong, in which case weapons will be issued to all players in the sense of fairness. Never ask if the nets are made from human skin. Referees are to be obeyed at all times, unless they order you to kiss them, in which case you are to skate as fast as possible in the opposite direction. If, in your flight, you feel something like tentacles plucking at the back of your jersey, you are to ignore this sensation and say out loud, it's just the wind. My goodness, but that's a lot to remember. But it does sound like I'll be getting quite the physical Buy winter fat. There's a new peculiarity at the market. Quickly frozen foods. Apparently freezing food at increased speeds will help keep them fresh for longer periods of time. As a medical professional, it makes me wonder, what else can we cut fresh if we freeze it fast enough? Could we somehow flash freeze a person mangled by a car accident? Preserving them, so that we could surgically repair the various affected areas in the proper order. Could we preserve someone dying from a disease we cannot currently cure? Perhaps we could freeze criminals until we have enough knowledge for us to sculpt their brains into those of more positive contributing members of society. Oh! Strawberries! I want to try it with strawberries! Speaking of new inventions, I received an audio meter at the office last week. While I am suspicious of applying electronic devices to patients, Miss Commoprance was eager to set it up and give it a whirl, so whirl we did. The audiometer is a panel and a set of headphones contained within a practical green box. The headphones are placed upon the ears of the patient, and then they are asked to respond when I send them tones of frequencies varying from 500 to 4000 hertz, and at ranges between 25 to 60 decibels. If someone can hear the tones at 25 decibels, they have splendid hearing and all is well. If they require 60 decibels to hear the same tones, then things are not looking, or sounding, ha <laughs> ha, too good, and they are likely suffering from hearing loss. He tried the device out on Mr. Huckle, a fellow who has worked around construction sites all his life, and has complained of having some hearing problems as a result. He seemed to enjoy the process of having Miss Common France affix the phones to his ears. After that, I tested his hearing at their various hertz and decibel positions. It's certainly much more efficient than the old-fashioned tests, which basically involved me leaning forward and shouting, Hey, bud! Can you hear me? How about now? Halfway through the procedure, Mr. Huckle started to ask who was speaking. Puzzled, I told him it was Miss Commerprance and myself. He frowned and said, No, the other voices. After the procedure was over, Mr. Huckle became quite agitated, slapping at his ears and saying things like, Make them stop! They command me, and no, I won't, I won't do it, that's terrible, I'm a good man, you can't make me. Puzzling, of course, and a bit worrisome, but I can say that, according to the new contraption, Mr. Huckle's hearing is aces, so I consider that a win. These past couple of weeks have been stuffed full of new technologies. I was coming back into the city after a professional visit out to one of the surrounding farms when I saw the most peculiar, well, I'm not sure what to call it. It was much like a tractor, but instead of wheels there were long tank treads, and at the front of the body of the vehicle was a long bit of metal that reminded me of a plow. Curious, I stopped and asked the fellow, a worker from the city, what the machine was called. He called it a bulldozer. "'which to me sounds like an instrument for making male cows descend into a peaceful slumber. "'It was quite effective. "'As I watched, he was able to push aside a significant amount of earth from the side of a small hill. "'I asked him what the purpose of the large hole was, and he chuckled and replied, "'Well, it's certainly not a mass grave, if that's what you're thinking. "'It's anything but a mass grave. "'You understand?' he said, staring intently into my eyes. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. That name, Bulldozer, it just doesn't make any sense. I escorted Miss Weedermoo to the library today. We raised quite a few eyebrows on account that few had seen a white man with a native woman on his arm. So be it. We doctors are allowed our eccentricities, as long as we keep healing the locals. As usual, the stone lion things outside the library's entrance snarled at me. "'I don't know what their problem is. "'I've been nothing but a gentleman on my forays to the library. "'Some inanimate objects were just not raised to observe the social graces. "'Miss Wiedemoof said she didn't hear a thing and gave me a look "'that said she suspected that I might be more than just a little eccentric. "'I might have to try out the hearing test machine on her. "'We went in search of information about the mystery man from the Middle East. "'I had ordered British newspapers that covered that area of the world, "'but they won't arrive for some weeks yet.' So this was the next best thing. Arkham is a small city, but the main library is surprisingly well-stocked when it comes to foreign newspapers and periodicals and books covered in what is likely human skin. That being said, I'm afraid we didn't find any useful information at first. There were five different newspapers in English and two in French, with sections about the Middle East, but upon perusing them, we found that they had been heavily redacted. Whole columns had been blotted out with heavy black ink. There were also two newspapers in Arabic, and these two featured entire inked-out sections. We were just about to give up when Miss Widomoo spotted a picture in one of the Arabic papers. Within that picture, there was what we believed was an archaeological dig site. Within the picture, a well-dressed archaeologist was holding up a small chalkboard with something written on it, something which Miss Widomoo could decipher. I expressed my surprise. I had no idea that my ex-housekeeper could read Arabic. She replied that she couldn't, but there are certain words that she had learned to recognize in dozens of languages. To be specific, there were certain names she had been trained to learn. This was one of those names. She traced her slim finger under the curls of the Arabic writing, from right to left, and translated it as something that sounded like the new thun. I had no idea what that meant that Miss Widomoo certainly felt the name had some weight. Was he some ancient martial leader from that part of the world? Perhaps a prophet from before the advent of our modern religions? I didn't know. That picture contained another surprise. I happened to look at the other people at the dig. Now, though it was hard to tell, I thought I spotted the mystery man from the warehouse in the background, behind the distinguished fellow holding the chalkboard. I told Miss Widomoo I couldn't be sure it was him, Because the picture was not that clear, and according to the handwritten notation in the bottom right, it was taken some ten years earlier, so the man did not yet sport gray hair. But still, it did look quite a bit like him. Miss Weedamoo wondered why the paper, which was about a month old, was displaying a photograph that was a decade old. Had something happened recently at the dig site, or perhaps to the archaeologist? We both agreed that this required more digging, so to speak. What we did not agree to was Miss Weedaboo looking about, then tearing the page out of the paper and stuffing it up her sleeve. I understand that what was happening around town could pretend the death of hundreds, if not thousands of people. But still, there was no need to destroy library property. That's just wrong. For the first time ever, Miss Cometrance was not her usual cheerful self about the office. Whenever I'd ask her about something, she'd give me a curt reply, stick her nose in the air, and head off into a different room. I asked her what was wrong on multiple occasions, and received the same reply each time. Nothing. Then, when I stopped asking, she charged into the office where I was filling out paperwork and demanded to know why I wasn't asking her what was wrong. The female mind is a mystery to me. It turns out that Miss Comprance learned that I had been seen arm in arm with Miss Weedamoo. I explained that Miss Weedamoo had been injured, and I required a trip to the library to expand her knowledge on a certain subject. I, being her medical practitioner, plus the supporter of anybody looking to expand their horizons, much as I supported Miss Commonprince in her efforts to become a nurse, had lent Miss Weedamoo my strength so that she could make the trip. Miss Commonprince softened after that, and had the good grace to seem abashed. She said she was sorry for being such a dumb Dora, But I couldn't really blame her because it was well known that Miss Weedamu was the deepest dish in town. And since Miss Commonprance and I were now seeing each other socially, she had to make sure no lookers were turning my head. I assured her that I found Miss Weedamu's personality and bossiness to be grating at the best of times, and she had nothing to worry about. For sure, Miss Weedamu is a beautiful woman, and I admire her willingness to fight back against the violent elements in the city, but... Did I say that last part out loud to Miss Whittemoon? I certainly didn't. What do you think I am, nuts? I have updated you on my goings-on, but how about you, dear listeners? Any woman troubles in your life? Have you been an accomplice in defiling library property? Have you managed to piece together a mystery with its possible origins in an archaeological site from half a world away and over ten years ago? If your answer is yes to any of these questions, how did you manage? I could use all the help I can get. The snowfall has been especially thick this year in Arkham. It has always snowed heavily here, but this year is something else. It's quite beautiful in its own way, but of course makes it difficult to make house calls, especially if they're out in the countryside. The children are loving it, though. Everywhere I go, there are snowmen and snow forts and children hurtling down hills on toboggans. What isn't quite so charming is that children are building tunnels through the deep snow banks, a common pursuit amongst youngsters in snowy locations around the world. However... When I was growing up in Canada, none of our tunnels emitted growling voices proclaiming the coming of a Lord of Blizzards. I wish the kids would just stick to snowball fights. Valentine's Day occurred this month, and as per usual, Miss Common France was the one to take the reins and planning for the occasion. I've never met a woman like her, who knows what she wants and puts her nose to the grindstone to make sure she gets it. We ended up going to yet another speakeasy. Arkham seems absolutely infested with them. we had a gay old time dancing and quenching our thirst with champagne. Everything was swimming right along with the current. But then we hit the gambling tables. This speakeasy was an upscale affair. I recognized more than one of Arkham's upper clusters at the card and roulette tables. Apparently more than one of them recognized Miss Common Prance too. And it turned out she was a known entity among the heavy gamblers of the town. I'm not much for games of chance, however, I did pick up some basic knowledge of poker back during the war, when we play with tired old cards in order to stay awake during our long hours at sentry duty. So I stuck to the low bed poker table, and I broke just about even. Miss Conference had left me, saying she was going to try her luck at some of the other tables. I found her in the middle of a commotion, a commotion she had created herself. She was, in short, cleaning up at Roulette, a game where I have never understood the appeal seemed to be based on total luck. But Miss Common Prince, who had started only with a small stack of low-cost chips, she is, after all, only an office assistant and is paying for nursing school. But now she had a great pile of the things on the table before her. An entire crowd had gathered and they cheered widely as the little ball bounced into a profitable slot, and yet even more chips were pushed forward to join her pile. She looked at me with an expression on her face I had never seen before. She is almost always cheerful, and takes great delight in teasing me. But this was something beyond the happiness I usually saw on her lovely face. Her eyes were dancing back and forth, glittering. Her smile was almost a snarl. She looked... feral. Happy, but dangerous in some way. I don't know how to explain it. All I can say is that it wasn't the hooty comrades I had come to know and admire. Of course... This was a special occasion. Valentine's Day. That was probably it. She so was just overjoyed because it was a special night, not because of the gambling. Right? Overnight for observation was created by Daniel Fox. Daniel is the author of the horror novella fertilizer.